beautiful people. Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. It's a podcast show that uses travel to highlight stories of personal growth. So each week we'll spotlight the stories of courageous world travelers, creative wanderers, and digital nomads who share their incredible experiences of the world through their eyes. If you like traveling, this is what you need. So tune in. Hello, beautiful people welcome to chronicles abroad i'm francis and i'm nubia and we're here with abby lutas abby say hello hi hi francis hi nubia hey abby thank <laughs> you so much for be being here. on the show yeah it's great to be here with you guys we're very excited and we want to um can't wait to dive into your travel journeys and your random trip to india that you just came back from last night <laughs> 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 um so Abby, tell us how you started in the whole travel and how you fell in love with travel. Yeah, well, I guess from a very, very early age, my parents were very interested in travel. We They always took us on, on holidays, as we call it here in Australia. I know other places of the world call it vacation, but we call it holidays. So my parents just loved going somewhere at least once a year for two weeks. So we were very, very lucky and I think one of my first trips was to Fiji. And so my mum was very good at, uh, she was all, very lucky. She would always win competitions. And I, th- I think um, she won a, a trip to Fiji. So, of course, I, I don't really remember that. I just have some photos to, to, to remind me of the memories. But I do remember we would always pack up the caravan and be off somewhere in Australia. Most of our travels when um, with my family was around Australia. So we would always go uh, to a beachside destination or we did a, a, a really big trip of three months when I was about nine years old where we all jumped in the caravan and, and traveled wow. around Australia for three months so I just I have some really special memories of of that trip because it, it really uh, allowed me to see my home country and it's definitely something that I That's would beautiful. love to do again as an adult to to see it from a different perspective wow. mm, yeah <laughs> So I think that's really where my yeah my interest and love of travel came from was because my parents were, were so passionate about taking us away on holidays when we were younger. That's one of those things that, you know, if as a parent you have the opportunity to, take your children just in and around the areas where you live. You don't have to always go global or international. So that's great that your parents explored your home country. Just throwing the kids in the car and saying, let's go, <laughs> I think is great because as a parent, sometimes we think we have to have X amount of money and X amount of time when sometimes all you have to do is take them, you know, around the corner or to another state or just another part of where you live and show them adventure. Yeah, there's a lot of adventure in your backyard. Mm. If you. Mm turn around and look at it. Mm, yeah, the way we traveled was by no means, you know, fancy. We weren't going to the the great, you know, five-star resorts or anything. Early memories I have, we were camping and, and then we had a caravan for a, a couple of years and we would pack the caravan and, and go away in that. And, you know, sometimes we wouldn't go very far, but I think sometimes it, uh, it doesn't have to be this grand, adventurous, expensive plan. It can be, you know, you can rough it a little bit and and sometimes that's you know where where all the fun is (laughs) exactly and then it comes down to the quality time Mm. right 
There are memories yeah. that you can't you cannot pay for. I mean, there are things that, you know, spending time with your kids is so hard now these days with electronics, right? Because the kids' heads are, like, down in their phones mm. um, or they're playing video games and they lose track of what's around them. Yeah, absolutely. And and we had long, you know, road trips sometimes where we'd be, you know, Australia is a very big country. So if we, I live down in the South where it can get cold. So we would often go up North for our holidays and, you know, it meant spending a couple of days driving in the car. And back then we didn't have iPads or, or iPhones or anything like that. So mum always had lots of games prepared for us in the car. And yeah, we, we loved it. It was great. So tell us, uh, what was the thought process behind uh, ditching your successful career in sport and, and just living that life that you've been living? Well, before we jump into that, let's talk about the sport itself. What is beach sprinting? Yeah, so uh, growing up in Australia, I live here in a coastal town. So I started out in a in a sport, uh, or I guess it was more of an awareness program called Nippers. And Nippers is all about surf safety. So um, over summer, we would go down to the beach and and learn about water safety and how to be safe at the beach uh, around around the ocean and and all the, those types of things. So that um, as I grew older that became or there was a a sporting avenue that I could go into with that and so I got into beach sprinting so and from from a young age I was I was quite good at it so I I pursued it and uh, yeah that took me I guess all over Australia training basically it's the same It, it is what it sounds it's a sprinting race on the beach and so the you know the beach sprint track would be maybe around 90 meters long and most of the time they would try and put it in the soft sand when they could so so sometimes it would be on hard sand but most of the time they would try and have it on the soft sand so you can see that it's a bit of a a difference to say running on the track or or on the grass or something like that so it's quite popular here in Australia but because uh the sport is we have so many beaches and and so accessible so but not not as popular in other countries so you did that and that took you around the world yeah yeah so I I was quite successful as I mentioned and um I was representing state and then I started representing in national teams and so yeah it took me around the world I went over to Germany I went um, mainly around Australia and competed in that sport and it was a lot of dedication I think when you uh, compete at a, a high level in sport you have to commit a lot of time and energy and it meant that I couldn't really pack up and just go and travel like a lot of my friends were doing because I decided into my 20s that I wanted to keep doing the sport. I had such a love and such a passion for it. And so it was the commitment to training and, and to commit to an entire season, which, you know, isn't an entire year, but definitely majority majority of it. So, yeah, I was really determined and committed and I think travel was sort of, I sort of saw it as an interruption to to that. So back to Francis's question, when did it happen that you were just like, 
I'm going to go travel the world. Yeah. So I think I was, I think I was 27 or 28 and I uh, ruptured my Achilles in a training session and it was right before the season was about to start and I was on track to have you know one of the best seasons I think of my career and I'd done all the training and I ruptured my Achilles and it was a really challenging time because I had to I took obviously had to take the season I sat that season out Um, and I was still really keen on the sport and so I did all the rehab and I got back and ended up doing another season of sport and and after that year I just realized I think during that time off I realized that my whole life had revolved around sport and I hadn't really you know pursued other areas or even looked at other interest areas of my life and although I was still really passionate about sport and sprinting and all that type of thing I just kind of started to think oh what am I what could I be missing out on here and I think there were some other areas of my life in particular where I was working I wasn't really I seemed to be getting off the course of what I really wanted to do and I think a combination of all of those things I just was starting to be my heartstrings are being tugged at to say what are you doing here this is you know you need to go out and and explore and see the world and yeah we I it finally came to the crunch and I I made the decision I I said I'm I'm packing up I'm I'm quitting my job I'm packing up my house and I bought a ticket to Buenos Aires and and away I went so oh, wow. and how long ago <laughs> um, was that yeah when that was you, what year did you do that that was back in 2011 so uh yeah so yeah wow. a little while ago now but it sort of doesn't seem like that long ago yeah so I think I thought I think I sort of had the idea that I would be traveling for six or eight months and then I would come home and work it, work out the rest. But I think deep down my soul knew that I was probably going to be gone for much longer than that. <laughs> and how long did you stay out on the road? So I ended up traveling. I was traveling around South America probably for a good four months. And then I kind of started to run out of money. And I was like, but I don't want to go home yet. It's not, you know, I, I'm, I'm not ready for this. So I applied for a visa in Canada and ended up, I thought, I'll just go for the winter. You know, my friend was up there and she was getting ready for a ski season or a snow season. And I thought this will be fun. I'll I'll go out there for the winter. And and when I got, uh, when I got there, I just fell in love with the place. And I ended up staying in Canada for three years and and doing some more yeah, doing some more travel from from there. So it was um it was incredible. I had a blast. And it's funny, not many people travel to Canada during the winter. That's mm. when we like <laughs> like I'm not going to Canada because you know I'm from the northeast of um, America and Canada is freezing in the winter. Freezing. Yeah, and I think that might have been the appeal you know to go and see the what it's like in the snow and I'd never really experienced anything like that and I'd heard of these people or my friends I suppose that go and do a season working in the snow and how much fun it was and yeah I you know maybe that was the appeal because we don't have we do have some snow here in Australia but nothing nothing like what is there and so yeah that was you know that was the the draw card I think. And Canada's a beautiful landscape as well it's huge so there's so much to see and do 
Mm. Yeah, Canada is beautiful. Like I think my my friend actually said to me when I set off on my travels to South America, she said, "Just get a visa for Canada. You know, you'll 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 absolutely love it." And I I kind of wasn't really that drawn by it at that stage. I was like, I don't know. Like I'm not really sure. I wasn't really that interested. I hadn't really done any sort of research into it. I thought maybe. And it, I think even when I was booking my ticket it up there um, I, I still wasn't sure but when I'm I think I'm the type of person that you actually I actually need to be in the place to really experience it and appreciate it fully and yeah I think from the moment I got there I knew that it was the right decision nice. so it's, it's just so that's beautiful a that's great so you've been to 30 plus countries can you share with us three of your most memorable memories Now, we're more than just travel. We provide tips, resources, and hacks for the curious traveler in you. So whether you're a lover of travel or just someone who is ready for a change, we have something for everyone. Yeah, okay. So I think my first share is probably when I was traveling down to, or I suppose, back from Ushuaia in Argentina and it's probably not really to do with the country but more so with the experience because it's a pretty uh, you know uh, barren land down in Patagonia at the bottom I guess they call it the end of the world beautiful it is so beautiful it is so beautiful and but I remember sitting on the bus going down there and just for, for so long there you know there's there's not much there until you do get down to Patagonia and I was preparing to get out and to um, jump on the bus to go back up to Bariloche which is up a bit further in, in Argentina and and I jumped on the bus there was probably about five people on this big coach and my seat was up the front and about halfway through the journey a movie came on that I wanted to watch and I I couldn't see it from my seat because I was right up the front and I turned to see how much you know how little people were on the bus and and there was this guy sitting in the seat and I thought rather than just sit on my own I'll I'll go and sit next to him and I ended up not watching the movie but getting to know this guy who couldn't really speak English and I was learning Spanish and he was French and and knew a little bit of Spanish and a little bit of English and we spent this 20-hour bus ride just trying to figure each other out through you know hand gestures and our broken Spanish and we got to Bariloche where we were going and we went for a drink and we had this entire conversation drawn out on a napkin and I wish we'd kept it because it was just so amazing and I ended up traveling with this guy for about three weeks and it was just I just love the memory of how, I mean, he, he, as we traveled, his English got so much better and we sort of spoke a little bit in Spanish and a little bit in English, but it was just such a beautiful connection. And I just always remember how, you know, I was nearly sort of too nervous to, to go and sit next to this, this guy, but, um, put myself out there and it just ended up being such a, a great adventure in the end, spending the three weeks traveling with him through Peru and a little bit of Chile and, and a little bit of Argentina. So it was just, um, yeah. yeah, it was a wonderful memory. I think that's awesome. I believe mm. that you open yourself up with a simple smile and a hello. 
Yes, yeah. And I think, yeah, I always remember that moment. I remember looking at this guy before getting on the bus and um, I smiled at him and he sort of had, you know, the smile in his eyes, I suppose. Yeah, like it's as simple as that, you know. I think sometimes in the fast paced, I guess, home life that maybe we live in, we, we forget how simple it is to, to connect with people. And yeah. as you said, um, maybe it does just take a smile and, and maybe stepping out of your comfort zone just a little bit to extend that the conversation past, hello, how are you? And, and, and go that little bit deeper. So I think sometimes we don't know what we're missing out on by, by not yeah, doing this. After three and a half years of travel, traveling, <laughs> you return home. Yeah. And so what was that transition like returning back home? Yeah, well, I knew that it was going to be, uh, I knew it was going to be tough because my cousin had done a lot of travel or extended travel and she was probably my inspiration to, to go on this trip in the beginning. And I'd seen her go through this time where she'd been living for two years in in Edinburgh and come home and living in Canada and, and then come home and just go through this phase where things were quite different. And so I, I was prepared for, well, I thought I was prepared for what was to come, but um, yeah, perhaps I wasn't because when I landed back in Australia, I, I had no money and <laughs> as most people do when they, they leave for such a long time. And yeah, I came home. I came back to be living with my parents where I, I hadn't actually lived there for a, a good 10 years. And I live in a small coastal town with not a huge amount of people, but uh, it's, it's kind of close to the city. And yeah, it was very hard for me. I thought I was prepared and what I, that I knew that I, what I would be going through, but I really felt like I just didn't fit in. I, I definitely had appreciation for a lot more appreciation for my home because I came back with a bigger perspective and I really saw how how beautiful my home really was and the landscape and it started to look for adventures in my own backyard to fulfill that you know that need to get out and explore but I think inside I felt really quite lost and quite trapped because I'd I'd come back to this quite a small place and a lot of my friends had had moved on and and left and I guess my friends you know, they, they live in the world, they're everywhere, <laughs> they're not just in my home. And so I found that I didn't have many friends that I could connect with and, and I couldn't find many like-minded people where I was. And, and the friends that were close were perhaps at a different stage of life to me. They were starting families or they yeah, had children and that wasn't where I was at at that point. And so it was a real challenge because, you know, they wanted to catch up with me, but sometimes that, you know, their family and their priorities came first. And I, yeah, I just, I felt like I couldn't relate. I, um, I didn't want to go back into the nine to five working for the weekend type lifestyle. I, I really wanted to design a life for myself that I really loved and and I'm, I don't think everyone could really understand that and that's fine people hadn't had the experience that I had and you know I had to have that 
perspective as well that, you know, it's not just about me. <laughs> um, yeah, these people have been going about their lives and then all of a sudden I'm like, here I am, I'm back and let's let's like be friends again almost. And, and I think some friendships picked up from, you know, they just pick up from where you left off, but others definitely fade or morph into yeah. into somewhat something different and yeah so as I said I wanted to sort of create this life that perhaps other people couldn't really understand what I was doing and I think you know people sometimes <laughs> they can't see inside your mind or they can't see what you've experienced and it can be really hard to explain that to other people especially if they're not ambitious or or passionate or or on a similar path. So it was definitely a challenging time and yeah, had to go through steps to to get myself through the the stuck feelings and the emotions that were that were coming up for me during during that time. Is that when uh, you decided to, you know, look into becoming a life coach? Because your niche is actually quite interesting. Could you uh, share more about that? Yeah. So uh, as I was going through. Um, as I was going through this transition and learning to fit back in, I um, I sort of remembered back to uh, a time before I went away and it was when I saw a life coach. And after seeing the coach, a lot of amazing things sort of opened up in my world. And it was a challenging time working with the coach, but I would definitely reap the benefits afterwards because everything, all, all a lot of things that I'd been working on started coming to life. So I sort of started looking into, you know, what, what does it take to be a life coach? What do I need to do? And I found the the perfect program and, and, you know, I was just so attracted to it and I signed up and started my studies. And when we were working through the, the process of finding the niche, I, I guess I was still myself going through this phase of transitioning back into my home and and I sort of thought, well, this is great. I feel like so many people that I speak to who have traveled for an extended period of time or who have lived overseas tell me that they experience the same feeling of, you know, it just takes them a while to fit back in. But it's not really, I don't really, I didn't really see it as a big enough issue to potentially go and see a psychologist about it. I sort of thought, oh, this is just, you know, something that's going to evolve but I thought it could be a great niche for for life coaching and so that's how uh that niche blossomed and so yeah now I work with people who are going through that transition themselves and and coming home and and finding it difficult to get back into the swing of things in their in their home country or their hometown I think that's great though that's important because reverse culture shock is real absolutely and although there was all these conversations that I would have with people about it I couldn't really find much support online or not much I mean there's a little bit more now that's being done and so yeah I guess I just wanted to bring those conversations into the light and and um, show people that it is a real thing and and it's okay to be experiencing it yeah so how's the coaching going yeah it's really it's going great and I just um I love seeing the transitions that uh that my clients make and it's so positive to to take people on this journey of feeling like they are stuck and lost into a a place where they can find you know their passion about something, whatever it is, whether it be in their career or a project that they're working on. I love to see that change in my clients. And yeah, I absolutely love it. It's it's great. <laughs> 
That's awesome. So tell us a little bit about the Wanderlust Mind podcast. Thanks. Yeah. Wanderlusters. 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 Yeah. So I had the idea for the Wanderlusters Mind podcast probably about this time last year. And I thought, wouldn't it be a great way to get these stories out into the world uh, in the form of a podcast by sharing the stories of others that have gone on, on these journeys, come home, experience the funk or, you know, the feelings of feeling stuck or lost, but then moving through that and, and making something bigger of their lives. So that was my idea for the show. And I, um, I started to talk to a few people about it. And one person said to me, oh, you're going to start a podcast. It's going to take you 10 hours every episode. I don't know if it's worth it. There's show notes that you're going to have to do X, Y, Z, all this stuff. It's going to, I don't know. And Wait, so is this person does of, podcasting? They hadn't actually done a podcast themselves, and but I, you know, I respected what they had said, and and I took it on, and perhaps a little bit too much because I I thought, yeah, you know, I don't want to be spending ten hours per episode on a, on a podcast, but so I kind of shelved the idea for a while, and and it wasn't until November when I was on a trip in, <laughs> we were, I was actually in Vietnam and I was telling a, a guy who was on the trip with me about my idea for the show. And he just said to me, that is such a great idea. Like that I know so many people that would benefit from listening to something like that. So many of my friends have been through that. And from there, I was really fueled. I, I just thought, right, I'm, I'm going to look back into this project. And instead of sort of looking at all the tasks and the planning, I just thought, if I just um, schedule some interviews with some people, if I set the date um, and, I, and I get those appointments in, in the diary, then I have to figure out how to do the podcast that's so that's what I did I, I emailed a bunch of people who I thought would be suitable for the show and uh, I put you know I, we I set an appointment I set a date with them and and then from there it was like okay now I have to figure out everything else how are we going to do the recording how are we going to I'm going to need a mic I'm going to need how's it going to all flow out and so I think having that deadline really helped me to to get that podcast up and running and and I was so excited to put it out into the world and it is oh, it's one of my passion projects in, in my business I absolutely love my podcast I love meeting uh, people from all around the world and listening to their stories and and being able to share that with everyone else it's um oh, it's been the biggest joy so I'm glad that I I eventually stepped into into producing the podcast. Well, I'm glad you met that guy who ignited Seriously. that fire because regardless that there's a lot of work into something, it should not prevent you from moving forward, right? Mm -hmm. So the first person gave you all of the the cons. Yes. You know, oh, you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to do that. Granted, yeah, there is a lot of work that goes into podcasting. Mm -hmm. But if it's something that you're passionate about, just do exactly. it. Exactly you'll be fine. And it doesn't come across as a job all the time because you really enjoy doing what you, you know, what exactly. Doing. We totally understand. And it's amazing how many people we get to meet like yourself, you know, on another side of the world, just really get to know people's stories and you develop relationships mm. from there and hopefully mm. friendships. So kudos. And I'm glad you went mm. forward. Yeah, it goes back to really not listening to people's mm. fears because a lot of that can be projected onto you and you see how you shelved it and tabled it. And 
sometimes you just got to listen to everything with a grain mm-hmm. of salt and really understand, well, where is this coming from from that person? Yeah. And, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, maybe maybe it wasn't the right time to start the podcast either. But, yeah, it's something that I always think back to that, you know, you, you can't just be like what you said. You have to think of the perspective, what they're coming from. And, you know, it, some of the podcast has taken a long time to sort of get set up. But, you know, Nubia, as you were just saying, the people that you meet from all over the world and, you never know what opportunities and experiences are going to arise from that and what platforms you might be able to jump to from simply meeting meeting someone and and having them as a guest on your show so yeah i think it's yeah it's just a, a whole basket of opportunities in the waiting so what is uh, some of the things that you've at least just one thing that you've learned from some of your guests or something that just keeps coming up over and over again So it's time to dive deep and look into the holistic perspective of travel. We believe traveling is an investment in you. So our mission is to inspire you to book that flight, check that item off your bucket list, and go on that adventure. And our hope is to ignite connections all over the world. Mm, I think people really find that travel opens their perspective of the world. I think going out and experiencing new cultures and new countries and new places, they just have such a a much more open-minded approach. Suddenly little problems become not as big a deal. And so, and I guess, you know, what we may call first world problems being from Australia we sometimes go on a, a rant about something that, you know, like I've just been in, in India where some people don't even have fresh drinking water or um, a bed that's off the ground, for example. And so it really just gives you that perspective. And I think to just not be so concerned and so worried about certain problems or worries or concerns that may come into into your life. So that's one thing. I think the the love of meeting different people uh, and what people from all over the world and the different lessons that you can learn from from other people, which I suppose ties into my first uh, my first learning, it's all it's all about that perception and and when you when you meet different people and you're open to listening and seeing their way of life, you sometimes realise that you know perhaps some of the things that they're doing or the ways that they approach things are you know, are ways that you might want to adopt in your life. And so you, you take that on. And and I think another one would be that stepping out of your comfort zone and doing something like travel or going to a place. A lot of the travel that I did in, in South America was on my own. I certainly left on my own. And that was well outside my comfort zone. I, I, um, <laughs> I really didn't know what I was doing or I didn't know what I was in for. <laughs> and I, but allowed me, it allowed me to grow and evolve. And, you know, if that's what you're after, I mean, I think that's really one of the keys to life is to just continue to grow and evolve and, and 
um, work on on yourself and how can you be a better person in the world and and travel really allows you to do that because you know nothing goes to plan (laughs) nothing will go to plan (laughs) and yeah and you know you might find yourself in in a country where you can't speak the language and the bus is cancelled or it doesn't show up and you've got to you got to figure it out on your own. Yeah, and, definitely and get your patience tested. <laughs> you I was like, wait, are you to, in Thailand? I was like, wait you a learn minute. to slow down the pace in the process a lot. Yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah, it really allows you to step out of your comfort zone. But realize that even though that can be challenging, that sometimes that's where the exciting part is and that's where the juice of life is. And, yeah, so... I think that's probably the common the common learnings that, that people talk about. Okay. That's sort of what we experience as well mm. um, when we interview our guests. Yeah. So what's next for Abby? What's next for you? Oh, well, I'm still, I'm diving into the podcast still. I've got, um, I'm doing a round of interviews coming up and I'm just, I'm loving, loving the podcast. I'm on the move in a week or so. I'm, I'm heading up to the snow here in Australia, which is definitely not like Canada, but I'm going to definitely go off and spend the winter up there. And I'm continuing to dive into my business and my blogs and my podcast and share this message with the people who, who need it. I am off to Costa Rica at the end of the year. So that's probably the next big trip for me. So I'm, I'm very excited to be going, uh, going back to Central America. I have already been to Costa Rica and absolutely loved it. So that's, um, that's next for me. That's awesome. So that's a great segue into getting your stories out there and allowing people to hear this podcast and to read your blog. So can you tell our listeners how they can find you? Yeah. So the podcast is The Wonderlust is Mind and you can find that on iTunes and everywhere podcasts exist. And my website for the podcast is thewonderlustersmind.com. You can also find more information with my blogs and other resources on my website, which is abbylutus.com. And I am mostly on Instagram at abbylutus and on Facebook, The Wonderlust is Mind. Awesome. Abby, thank you so much. Thank you, Abby, for joining us. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been really great to talk to you guys and and share this message. I I really appreciate you guys having me on on the show. So thank you. Oh, definitely. (laughs) And great podcast, by the way. Keep doing what you're doing. It is a very important um, conversation to have when people are abroad for a certain amount of time and then return home. Mm -hmm. Like I said, reverse culture shock is real. So thank you for bringing that to light. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in to Chronicles Abroad. Please support us by sharing this podcast through your social media platforms. Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram and hit that like button at Chronicles underscore abroad. Find us online at our website, chroniclesabroad.com, for tips, resources, and ways we can collaborate. So don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Until then, beautiful people, thanks for listening. Music by Stephanie James and Almighty K-Rock, produced by Adam Marcus.